0: So let's start again and we'll keep in prayer. Father, we thank you that we can meet here. And not only meet, that we can meet around your written word. Your written word which declares to us your son. And we can know what it means for us through the Holy Spirit. May our minds be attentive to what you would have us hear. And that we may leave this place not only knowing that we have met with each other, but that we have met with you, and we have something more to do, and we ask this through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, Amen. We are going to have a couple of Bible readings. Jim Ellis wondered if we would be having a reading from the book of Leviticus, and he is right, because we're going to have a look at a couple of scenes from the Bible of the glory of God. So our first reading, we can read this together. I preached on this last year. Leviticus chapter 9. Moses and Aaron entered the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people and the glory of God appeared to all the people. Fire blazed out from God and consumed the whole burnt offering and the fat pieces on the altar When people saw it happen, they cheered loudly and then fell down, bowing in reverence. Wow. And the next scene is from the book of Revelation and the Apostle John. I turned and saw the voice. I saw a gold menorah with seven branches and in the centre the Son of Man in a robe and gold breastplate, hair a blizzard of white, Eyes pouring fire blaze, both feet furnace-fired bronze. His voice a cataract, his right hand holding the seven stars, his mouth a sharp biting sword, his face a perigee sun. I saw this and fainted dead at his feet. So John had a wow moment as well. And as Christians, uh, we declare that we believe in God. That's what we've been doing in our praises and our testimonies. And somebody asked last week what I meant by a wow factor of God. And it's just that, a testimony of how great is our God. And as Christian disciples, we declare that uh, we not only believe in the existence of this God, but that we can know this God personally. We declare that we can grow in our knowledge of this great and almighty God who is infinite and beyond our limitations of space and time. This great and awe-inspiring God we trust, obey, follow and worship. And amazing as it sounds, this God is personable and knowable. Wow! This God we worship, we declare, is a personal God and not some remote being or an unemotive statue that we can place on a shelf. And more than that, this God, this God wants to be known. So with that said, who is this God? Through reading the Bible, we know that this almighty God is spirit, yet a personal and infinite being who can be pleased, angered, offended, loved, and it's filled with boundless joy. That's why I call the book of Leviticus a uh, book of joy. Because it tells of a God who wants to live with his people. Light shines from within him and without him. And to start this our journey tonight, we're going to see who is this God and what is this God like. In this journey, let us be reminded of the attributes and characteristics of of this great and awesome God we proclaim to serve, we sing about and adore as followers and disciples. First of all, there are his natural attributes. Our God is transcendent in that he is self-existing apart from and independent of creation. His transcendence reflects God's majesty and greatness. And not only that, our God is immanent, And that he is wholly present everywhere, filling the universe in all its parts without division. Our God, our God has power to do all things that are consistent with his nature. For with God all things are possible. And for this almighty God, nothing is too difficult. Is that true in your life? Of course there are things God cannot do, specifically those things which are contrary to his nature, i.e. God cannot sin our god also has perfect knowledge of all things actual past present future and possible he knows all things and he has infinite understanding this god our god has no limits and he has an internal and a qualitative absence of limitation and has boundless activity our god is unchangeable or immutable he changes not and is the same yesterday today and forever our God is eternal. He is without beginning or end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Our God is outside of time and time is in God. Our God is free from the succession of time because he lives in the eternal present, past, present and future are now for God. Our God is invisible and indestructible. Our God is boundless light, energy and activity with a personality imbued with self-consciousness and communication. Wow. Then there's these moral attributes. Let's look briefly at these. Our God is goodness, total goodness. Our God is absolute perfection and He's always seeking the welfare of His creation, including us. Our God is love and He communicates and gives of Himself. Our God yearns to forgive us from His dual wellsprings of grace and mercy. Our God is grace giving us what we do not deserve. And I'm sure you know that mercy is that he does not give us what we do deserve. This great and wonderful God exhibits tenderness and compassion to those in distress. Our God is patient. Our God is long-suffering. Our God is slow to anger. Our God is truth. And he is the source and foundation of all truth. And even more than that, this God, this almighty God, is both personal and personable. Every time I see it, I just cannot, sometimes I just can't believe it, that this God would be personal. Why on earth would he be personal? We'll come to that soon. As an example of this, listen to Jesus speaking in John chapter 14. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognise him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. How's that for a personal and personable God? wanting to live inside us. This God, our God, a personal God, a personal God must be capable of having and sustaining relationships. We know that God is spirit, yet also a personal and infinite being. Down through the Old Testament we hear, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Yet yet we also see through the Bible that this God is, is also three co-equal and eternally existing persons: Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Our God, who wants to be a loving or wants to be in a loving relationship with humanity, knows what love and relationship is all about, because God is Trinity. That is the word which the church historically has come to define the Godhead, a Trinity or a tri-unity which is three in one, or the property of occurring three at once. The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-equal and co-existing. One thing we can say with quite absolute certainty about this inter-Trinitarian life of God is that it's a mystery beyond our human comprehension, experience and language. I don't know very much, and I don't get my of you unless after that, In the New Testament, Jesus regularly impressed upon his 12 apostles the distinction between the Father and himself and he clearly taught about the Holy Spirit as being distinct yet again. What is more, this Trinitarian God is indivisible. There is in God one indivisible essence or substance of which God is made. The totality of God exists in the Father, the totality of God exists in the Son and the totality of God exists in the Holy Spirit. Each member of the Trinity is self-conscious and self-directing and the three members are always in harmony and union. Wow. There's a communal honour between the Trinity persons. In the work of salvation there is a coordination in the Godhead. God the Father elects, God the Son redeems and God the Holy Spirit seals. And between the three persons there is an eternal unison in active purpose And yet, seemingly, external distinctiveness between the three members. This Godhead Trinity, with its inherent qualities of relationship, shows that indeed God is love, and that the work of salvation is an act of love from God the Father, an act of love from God the Son, and an act of love from God the Holy Spirit. Love is an endemic quality of the Trinitarian Godhead. The Father loves the Son and the Spirit. The Son loves the Father and the Spirit and the Spirit loves the Father and the Son. And if God was merely a single unitary being, that is, if God was not the Trinity of Father, Son and Spirit, then how could that being possibly know what love is? Because love requires more than one person for love to exist, doesn't it? Let alone be active. No, the God we serve as Christians exhibits love and this God commands us to love one another so that he will be seen. And by us showing love, we reflect this Trinitarian God in whose image we are made. Now again, perhaps the most amazing thing, the most amazing wow factor about this God is that he wants to be known by humanity. His creation Stretching all the way back to the beginning of time, God has made covenants with humanity. Firstly, there was the Edenic covenant made with Adam and Eve. Then after they broke that covenant, God made another covenant with Adam. Then down through the years, there was the covenant with Noah, followed by the covenant with Abraham, and then with meek Moses, and finally mighty King David. All these covenants were part of the process to restore humanity back into a relationship with this amazing and almighty God. And the final covenant is the new covenant. But before we look briefly at that, we're going to have a break and a song. As we were saying, God desires to bring people back into relationship with himself. And to do so, God established a new covenant. And this covenant had a, a four main features. There was justification. Some big Bible words coming out now. Justification. That means sins will be forgiven and removed. And there's a the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit, where God will live inside his people and they will be led by him. And there's regeneration. God will renew and restore his people. And restoration. God will be their God and they will be his people. Amazing this God would want to do that and this new covenant is sealed only through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, the son of God on the cross because Jesus' death pays the penalty for the sins of all people and the new covenant can be summarised in that lovely verse, John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life And all those who have taken up God on his offer of grace of the church. The church, a living organism made up of uh, many believers from across all nations and time, each of whom has a vital and necessary function to play. Are you playing your part? The church, the bride of Christ. Picture the church as a bride imbued with passion, with purity, with holiness, with faithfulness. And it suggests the great love that God the Son has for his church. The Church of Ringwood, being all Christians in this town from across all the church fellowships and none, that's the Church of Ringwood, part of the Bride of Christ. So if that is the church in relationship with God, let's look very briefly at just three brief responses about our relationship with each other, born from our relationship with God. Our first one is fellowship. Fellowship results from our walking with one another as disciples of Jesus Christ. Fellowship is a mutual sharing together and not merely a mutual association society. It was both in having fellowship and giving fellowship that the New Testament church understood the word. Perhaps something has been lost down through the years. How are we doing at that here at PBC? Not merely association, but mutual sharing, I wonder. And when we have fellowship, Paul says in Romans chapter 15, verse 7, God is glorified. It is as a collective body that as a fellowship we will grow in maturity together. We can overcome by grace the weaknesses of each individual member. And each one of us in different areas is weak and in need of help from others. Do we only help those who we are friends with while turning a blind eye to those others who we know are in need because they're simply not on our friends list? Or are we so proud that when in need we don't bother to ask for help Another reason for fellowship is for mutual exhortation toward love and good works. When was the last time you encouraged somebody you don't normally talk to? See how they're doing, to pray for them. And while God deals with us as individuals, it's through a corporate fellowship that God strengthens that individual. For individuals are to be complemented, supported, healed, and compensated by other Christians. Again, How are you doing at that? How's your wow factor of God now? And fellowship sees us having common purpose, common belief, common hope and common needs. Just as Christian disciples have fellowship with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, so we also have fellowship with each other. We have fellowship when we gather to worship, when we gather to pray, to enjoy each other's companies as well as sharing our possessions, our sufferings and the gospel. Again, do we only talk to those we like and are friends with when we meet here weekly? Yet I know some that have left here where the only person that talks to them is the person handing out the bulletin or Adam at the door. And I know that because they've told me. Isn't that sad? And it's not by their own choice. It's just because people, they're sitting there in the pew or the chair and nobody comes up to them. That's fellowship. And as we fellowship with God and have fellowship with each other, we also worship Almighty God together. And what is worship? Worship is an intimate and dynamic encounter with God because Jesus is in the midst of us and we are who are empowered by the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Worship is giving God alone the glory due his name due to the beauty of of his holiness and presence. and The prime element of worshipping God in the context of a church service such as this is where we give honour and respect towards God alone. We do this in spirit and in truth where the spirit denotes the personal status of worship involving our mind, our body and our will including sermons which are an act of worship for both the speaker and the listener and doer truth speaks of worship's content in that all true worship reflects God's character how's your worship? worship by nature is multiform in practice with richness in the breadth of its distinctive styles across all churches that's all to the one God the one Father, Son and Holy Spirit deserving of our all How passionate are you in your worship? And why do we worship? Well, there's various reasons as to why we worship. Although primarily it's because God commands it. And not only is it a command, but God deserves worshipping by his church, for he alone personifies goodness, mercy, truth, holiness and power. God is to be worshipped by his church in obedience to him as creator, but also as its saviour and its lord. Worship brings exuberance satisfaction. Again I ask, does that describe your time of worship here? And if so, how often? And perhaps the greatest manifestation of public church worship is seen in the sacraments. As a church here at PBC we only have the two sacraments of baptism and Holy Communion and very soon we will be engaging in Holy Communion as a public act of worship and fellowship. And lastly, a third part of this relational response to God is in the area of evangelism. As we fellowship with God and have fellowship with each other, we gather to worship this knowable and personable almighty God. And as we live a life of worship worthy to this God, telling others naturally emanates from us, or it should. Evangelism is the virtue of bringing God's message of salvation to all people of all time, in all places, without barrier or hindrance. The message of our evangelism is this. We are all, every one of us, hurting and broken people. We do wrong things. We think wrong thoughts. We don't do right things or think right thoughts. We adopt wrongful attitudes and forego right attitudes. None of us has got our act together. Not one. It's only in God that we're fixed justified, restored and renewed. When we come into relationship with God through Jesus, every bit of us will be transformed. It's a lifelong process. Inevitably it will mean we change. And we always change for the better as we let God change and transform us. That folks is our message to those people out there. Because tell you what, they're watching us. I know they're watching us because they told me that they're watching us. And why do we evangelise? First of all, we're commanded to go and teach. That's in Matthew chapter 28. I'm sure you know it better than me. Another prime motivation for evangelism is out of gratitude for what God has done for the church. And the church that he loves because he loved first. God is love. It's a loving response to the overwhelming experience of God's love which we ourselves have received. And our God is a missionary God. Jesus was sent to save the lost and redeem humanity. The Holy Spirit was sent from the Father and the Son to live inside those who are God's people. And we are called to be his messengers. And while some are explicitly called to be evangelists, it also falls on every one of us to do the work of an evangelist. How are you doing since you did the blowing your cover course? Or shouldn't I mention that? i am excusing that because I was in Australia. I was blowing my cover over there. So how then, you'll be pleased to know, can we conclude? We looked firstly at uh, who God is. And we discovered a God who is by very nature love. But he's also a God who is in control. He's a God who wants to be known by all of humanity. And then we looked at how we can relate to this God. We can relate to him because he became one of us in the person of Jesus Christ. We have a God who is not immune to the sufferings of the world, but rather became one of us in order to suffer and die. So that humanity could choose to be restored to God himself or not. I was just talking to somebody in the week Asked them, well, why can't you believe in a God? And the response was, because there's too much suffering in the world. Ah, but, as Christians we believe that God became one of us in order to suffer. That's where our Christian God is different to every other. Amazing. We can relate to God because he's a God of relationship. Because of this relationship we are to engage in fellowship with each other symbolizing our fellowship with almighty loving God. Because of this relationship we can worship this almighty loving God together. And because of this relationship we can go and tell others about this almighty loving God. We are to be a community of believers who are seen to be radical by those in our society who are outside the church. We are to be a community of people which involves joining together isolated and solitary individuals. We are to be a community where people are imbued with love. We show care to each other. We supply each other's needs. We are to be a community of people imbued with what somebody once called the creative passion for the impossible. Each of us here has in different quantities imagination, creativity and passion. How are you going to show them for God this week in Ringwood? Let's go do that to the praise of God the Father through the Son in the power of the Spirit. How about we let God reign in Ringwood? And as I close, here's my own wow factor about Jesus I said something similar two years ago it's still true today my Jesus is unique majestic, tender, wise strong and lovely I can see his eyes my Jesus whom I seek to serve and obey in every facet of life most of the time I don't achieve it in fact rarely do I but I know that when I fall and fail I can ask forgiveness and he will grant it from his wellsprings of grace and mercy. And I know that it's this Jesus whom whom I depend upon and, and personally know to be totally reliable in every way. When people let me down as they do, they turn away from me, they discourage me, they think wrongly of me, they incorrectly assume my motives. This Jesus always, always, always picks me up. He never turns me away. He always encourages and embraces me. At the end of the day, I know that this Jesus has been dependable going ahead of me throughout the day and I give him thanks. Amazing. This Jesus who died on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago was the same Jesus who was raised to the dead three days later without decay into newness of life and ascended to the right hand of the Father. And what's more, this Jesus is coming back to gather his followers himself, gatherers to himself. And he's coming back, but not as a baby this time. There's not going to be any kitschy, kitschy, coo factor about Jesus this time. No, Jesus is coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God is personable and knowable to the person of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know that tonight, then I beg you, come and find out about him. Because it's important. Are you ready? Are you like at the traffic lights and someone's got, the traffic lights go green and someone's still standing there. I know what I do. Beep, beep. Ask young me. She has to tell me to calm down. Amazing! This God man Jesus is coming back and he will do the most extraordinary thing. And we read about it in in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. It's the most amazing verse of Scripture. He's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. Wow! Picture it the most amazing scene. Jesus Christ taking your face in his scarred hands and wiping away your tears. Your tears of suffering and your tears of joy and you will say to yourself it was all worth it. Whatever I've gone through, the trials, the temptations, the sufferings and the experiences I've had for the sake of Jesus Christ my Master. It was all worth it. Again I ask you, are you ready for him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus. We thank you that the Spirit came and lived within us when we accepted him as Saviour. Let us go from here with our creative passion to tell others about this God, this wonderful, amazing gift So that when time ends, someone else will be there because we dared to tell them. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.